Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Ah, welcome in, baseball people, on a Saturday morning to Inside the Clubhouse. 670, the score is where you are. I'm Matt Spiegel, and he is Bruce Levine. Good morning, Bruce. How you doing? Good morning, Matt. Yeah, great to be back. My Ripken-Gehrig streak ended last week after three years of uh, consecutive shows, so I know you had a great one, and we're expecting another great show today as uh, we will continue to talk about the award week here, Jose Abreu winning the MVP. You heard him on the score yesterday with Lawrence Holmes. Uh, a great week for him and the White Sox. Uh, maybe not so great when you look at uh, the news from Tony LaRusso one more time. We'll take a look at that. Great guests for you today, including uh, Sean McAdam from the Boston Sports Journal to talk a little bit about Cora and national baseball. And Gabe Kapler, the Giants manager to talk about, among other things, um, Matt, Ethan Katz, uh, who is the new pitching coach for the Chicago White Sox. The worst kept secret in baseball right now Hmm. because he has not been named officially as the Chicago White Sox new pitching coach, but that will come probably Monday or Tuesday in an announcement. Yeah, so 10.30 for Gabe Kapler. Really looking forward to that conversation. I want to know more about Ethan Katz. Uh, I think White Sox fans know a little. They know that he was the pitching coach for Harvard-Westlake High School when Lucas Giolito was there, along with Max Fried and Jack Flaherty as well. And, um, and then Giolito went and sought out Katz as part of his transformation a couple of off-seasons ago. And Katz has uh, since been the assistant pitching coach in San Francisco and now about to get this job. It's an exciting hire. It's an interesting hire, and we need to know more, don't we? I do. Yeah, it's going uh, to be fun to learn about him and also uh, the changing White Sox uh, coaching staff. won't be extreme from what I've been told, uh, but uh, the new pitching coach along with probably a new third base coach. Uh, holdovers will likely be Hassler, uh, Menachino, Boston, but uh, – A different look, for sure, from the Chicago White Sox from the bench in 2021. Interesting. I did not hear Joe McEwing's name as a possible holdover. Are we expecting that run to end? 
We're not quite sure about that. We know there is a relationship between Larusa mm-hmm. and um, McEwing. The fact that he uh, played for Larusa and Larusa was very fond of him, but that was a long time ago. So I don't know if that fits in the plans or not. We're not quite sure if he'll stick. Uh, maybe he'll go back to the bench. I'm hearing a new third base coach for the uh, Chicago White Sox. Very interesting. 312-644-6767, by the way, is the phone number. You can hop in and have conversation with us. And you can also text that number. And uh, I will see all of those and and share a bunch of them. Um, it, you know, and we've got a lot to talk about, Bruce, with the awards and with Larusa and with uh, some Cubs rumors that are out there and the offseason pending. But but you you brought us right to the coaching staff. And I've been I've been thinking about the importance of this particular coaching staff for the White Sox, because, you know, there, there's the mix of personalities, which is always an interesting thing to think about in terms of a coaching staff, but perhaps especially in this case to kind of um, mitigate or balance um, some of the, the issues that, that, that we're expecting to, to have with Tony, but also just because, you know, I, I think we've openly questioned and, and it's fair to question how long Tony's going to want to do it. You know, how long Tony's going to want to do it and have the intellectual and physical energy to do it. So the next guy up might need to be on this staff. I think that's fair to think about in these moments. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I, I don't look at Medicino as a future manager. I don't look at uh, do I. Katz as a future manager. But, um, you know, there there should be some idea about development down the line. I, I don't think the White Sox are going in to this coaching staff and manager with looking for the replacement for Tony LaRusa down the line. They're looking for a championship caliber coaching staff to help this team with all that great talent get to the next level. So uh, I, I don't know if uh, mitigating Tony LaRusa's hiring has anything to do with um, putting together the staff. I, I, I don't I don't see the two mixing. Well, um, I, Joe McEwing is a guy who, who uh, I think d- could be a future manager. So I guess that's why I was interested in, yeah, in, in I mean, asking look, about he's him. Been passed over, he's been passed over twice already, right, mm-hmm. for, uh, for White Sox manager. And I, he has interviewed for other jobs. Um, obviously, um, in this case, uh, I don't know if he would have been the choice because the um, – Skills that the White Sox were looking for were a manager who had managed in a championship game, who had won uh, significant games in playoffs. And uh, Joe's resume wouldn't have been that. But I I think he's a qualified baseball man with a good resume that will hopefully manage down the line somewhere else because he is a good guy. It's uh, it's been a really interesting week with the awards. Um, I've long harped on baseball for not doing the awards during the playoffs. But you know what? I really enjoyed this week. I enjoyed the slow rollout. Um, and, and, and the fact, like the anticipation, maybe it's because there were so many, you know, White Sox candidates, so there were locals in there to think about. But Cy mm-hmm. Young was interesting with, with Darvish in there, so really got a chance to think about and dive into Darvish's year and dissect that against Bowers. And, and then culminating with the MVPs of, of Freddie Freeman, and, uh, and and Jose Abreu, it was, it was an enjoyable week um, in terms of the awards. The two African-American rookies of the year, uh, a good sign for baseball at a time when, you know, for the last many years been trying to, to promote the game to African-Americans and get, get more people to choose baseball. It's a good week, good, healthy week of awards. 
I agree. And the format, uh, Matt, was supposed to change this year. So Major League Baseball came to the Baseball Writers of America uh, last December and asked if they could have an awards show, uh, either on one of the big networks or ESPN or TBS or MLB TV. And it was MLB TV. And that means that uh, every year at the general managers meetings in Las Vegas, the awards would be uh, named on one night, okay, one night, and it would be um, televised. So uh, that would mean that, you know, everybody in baseball who would be in those awards uh, would be there. Uh, it would be, you know, a very much different format. How, how would you think uh, that would go over rather than spread out over one week, uh, a big a uh, splashy show of uh -huh. all the awards in one evening. Well, the NHL does it that way. Uh, the NFL uh, tries to do it that way. I think. Uh, I, I think I like the slow rollout. What the hell? It's 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 November. They needed programming on MLB Network. I guess I've. It's funny. I've ripped it so long, and I find myself coming around to it uh, a, a, a little bit, a little bit this week. Would you enjoy the the one night extravaganza? You can put on the big old bow tie. Uh, or, or the tux or, or whatever and, and, and get well, out there and have, have a table. I would have to have some other clothes on, Matt, you know. I mean, something, you know, red <laughs> shoes or something to go along with. No, just the bow tie. <laughs> but, I think it would, be, it would be a great look. Um, if there was a Golden no, Globe type I, atmosphere I, I, and you could table hop <laughs> around with a beverage in your hand, hey, how are you? Hey, look, you, it's the LA Angels yeah, table. How are you, Joe? Good to see you, you know? Yeah, I think you'll take your Golden Globe and go somewhere else with that. But uh, in reality, I think uh, one night is not sufficient. And I am I am more uh, this, the present format where you get awards for the whole week. You get a little bit of buildup from day to day. Baseball kind of owns the week a little bit with the awards rather than, you know, you, you, sh you shoot your wad for one night only. I just don't. I don't like it, but it was voted on by the Baseball Writers of America to experiment with this for a couple of years. Obviously, it's going by the wayside this year because we can't uh, have any meetings uh, with, with, with large groups. Uh, there's no general manager meetings. There won't be any winter meetings other than virtual. So um, it, it takes on a, a different perspective. But uh, I understand what Major League Baseball wants to do. They want, they want to highlight their show they want to you know they want to highlight their awards in one night but i think it takes from the away from the individual accomplishments don't you for those guys not to be able to own that day yeah i i think that's true and it's it's been it's been a good week uh and a historic uh finish to the week really with kim ang becoming the first female general mm -hmm. manager in Major League Baseball history. And, you know, it, her resume is outrageous. Like, if you, if you sat down and you're like, what would be the perfect resume for somebody to be a no-brainer GM hire? Um, her resume is right there with experience at the commissioner's level and, uh, and on many, many teams, including, and first, the White Sox, a University of Chicago graduate in 1990, hired as an intern by the White Sox, played softball, uh, a star shortstop, the University of Chicago's softball team, and and hired by the White Sox in in in, in 1990, as I mentioned, and I you know it's there's a lot of there's a lot of firsts that she's been involved with. I think 
Didn't she argue the arbitration case for Alex Fernandez against Scott Boris? She was oh, the yes, first. She, she was yeah. the first woman to present an arbitration case, and she beat Scott Boris in that uh, in that circumstance. But it, it's pretty cool. I imagine you've had many interactions with Kim Ang through the years, Bruce. I, I met Kim her first uh, week with the White Sox in 1990, wow. and uh, you know we've been friends ever since. She is uh, a fantastic individual. A a tremendously competent person who came in knowing and understanding the game and then knowing and understanding the metrics of baseball. You know, Danny Evans was uh, instrumental in bringing her uh, along as a hire for the Chicago White Sox. And uh, they were doing metrics things um, back in that day, you know, for the Chicago White Sox that other people weren't doing. Kim uh, also has a practical uh, knowledge of knowing scouting, having gone out and scouted players as well. Um, she is so competent, and this is probably 10 to 15 years overdue for Kim Ang to be a general manager. But, you know, we are slowly evolving as a, a nation and then as a uh, dealing with our sports entities to uh, get the right people in there, regardless of, you know, race, creed, color, um, sex. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's exciting for me to see Kim Ang get this honor because it's something that it's just not, oh, they hired a woman. They hired an extremely competitive, exciting baseball person who's going to help the Miami Marlins win. Yeah. It's, um, and, and, and it's it's getting a lot of pub and a lot of a lot of conversation because of the landmark uh, you know status of the hire, of course. But her name has been on future general managers lists for twenty years, fifteen years. We've we've been hearing about her uh, yep. as a potentiality for so so long, and you know you know that that club, Bruce. You know those bars. Where, where, you know, at winter meetings for so many years, people would interact. And I know there was an ugly incident where a member of the Mets front office in the early aughts had terrible things to say to Kim and ended up losing, losing his job as, as part of things. So it's, it, it, you know, it, it, to, finally have, to finally have a culture within the sport where this is met with, yep, should have, been, should have happened a long time ago. Here we go. All right. There's, there's not much resistance that you're going to hear for, about this at this point. Yeah, you're right. She had to deal with the uh, indignities uh, thrown at her by a uh, top scout in that organization. And uh, he was fired, which wasn't the thing that you normally did back in that day. Uh, you just reprimanded people. Uh, you suspended them. But can you imagine that happening now? I mean, no. you know, this is this is 15, 20 years ago uh, where this uh, scout made fun of her and her ethnicity it was just unbelievable. Thank God we've moved on from um, that time in uh, life and in sports. And uh, now Kim has this job. Another exciting hire for me is uh, Perry Manazian. So Perry Manazian's father, Zach, and I have been friends for 35 years. Zach was the uh, clubhouse guy for the Ogden Dodgers back in 68, 69, and 70. <laughs> Who was the manager of that team? It was to Tony, it was uh, Tommy Lasorda. Huh. And who did he have on that team? Probably the greatest young players 
in the history of baseball all coming out at the same time. Ah. Steve Garvey, Ron Say, Davey Lopes, Billy Buckner. Um, Monday? Just um, No, Monday was a little bit before that. Okay. Um, you had you had two catchers, Jaeger. Uh, you had... Um, so Not um, Socha, earlier than that. Uh, Joe, um, spacing out in his last name. You had... Um, Multiple young pitchers coming up, so it was the it was the time where Lasorda made Joe his Ferguson. name. Joe Ferguson. Joe Ferguson. Thank you uh, mm-hmm. to replace uh, to replace you know um, uh, you know a, a star manager who had been there for a million years in Walt Alston. He came in and replaced him. He brought Zach as a 17 year old from Ogden. Zach, a Chicagoan, born and raised to uh, be the clubhouse guy and Zach's career continued where he was 25 years, the clubhouse manager for the Texas Rangers. Perry Manasian is his son and Perry's uh, grandfather uh, was a good friend of mine. He was in the restaurant business here in uh, Chicago and uh, he uh, was one of Lasorda's best friends. And uh, so that is the, the tree that followed Perry Manasian to become the Los Angeles Angels new general manager. And he is a terrific mind and a great baseball guy. And I, I know I've uh, exchanged some texts with Joe Madden this week and uh, they are thrilled to have him as the general manager there. That's really cool. Yeah. That, that's a legendary group of Dodgers that all came up at the same time together. Bobby Valentine, part of that right. group as well, and would end up being a coach for La Russa yep, for, yep. A long, long time. Tom Pachorek, too. Yep. Uh, very, very, yep. very cool. I love it. See, this is what you get when you have Bruce Levine. You get, you get connections like that and, uh, and tracing the history and you knowing Kim Ang the first week of her with the White Sox. I love that stuff. Um, we got to take a break here on 670 The Score. It's inside the clubhouse. When we come back, you'll hear uh, Jose Abreu talk about playing for Tony La Russa. That's next, coming up on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. See it there. Clips the bottom of the zone. Abreu drives that one toward left center field. On its way, and it is gone. By plenty, the MVP candidate, Jose Abreu, second home run for the White Sox. And they take a 3-0 lead. Don't have to say MVP candidate anymore. Of course, that highlight from a playoff game, the first playoff game out there in Oakland, courtesy of ESPN, when Giolito struck out eight over seven innings. Tim Anderson went three for four. Abreu homered. Red Sox, excuse me, White Sox uh, fates. Looking, uh, looking up uh, at that point. But, but anyway, a candidate no more. Jose Abreu wins the MVP. Pretty remarkable scene um, to see him so emotional, accepting it. And then all of his teammates reaching out, Bruce Levine, that night, the next day, tweeting about it. Just uh, a lot of good vibes there uh, among White Sox players and the whole organization for Jose Abreu's win. And also vindication for the White Sox uh, tossing out a three-year contract to Jose Abreu last year. There was a lot of uh, consternation talking about the fact that at age 33, he'll play at 34 next year, that uh, that might have been just a little bit too long. But uh, he proved uh, beyond any belief. And if you remember his comments before he went into free agency last year, his comments were, um, I'm not going to play for anyone but the Chicago White Sox. Mm -hmm. I'm coming back here as a free agent. I'm going to spend my career here. And that uh, was not great news for his agent at the time, who uh, lost his entire market. But uh, his relationship with the White Sox front office, in particular with Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, brought him a uh, three-year contract to stay with the Chicago White Sox. Now, um, uh, he had a no-trade clause in 2020. He can be uh, put up a list of 10 teams he can't be traded to in 2021 and five in 2022, he won $115,000 in bonus money for being uh, the MVP and winning uh, uh, Silver Slugger as well. So a great year for the White Sox, a great year and vindication for a contract that was questioned a year ago now. Interesting. Yeah, 50 mil uh, over three looks like a hell of a bargain for the MVP and a guy who got better defensively. And played yeah. the best offensive baseball of a remarkable career. As soon as the competition um, got a bit more serious because his own roster got a lot better, as soon as the lineup improved around him, he ends up playing his best. That, that, that shouldn't be a surprise when you consider how good he has been in crucial and clutch situations with men on base his entire career. I guess it shouldn't be a surprise that as soon as the teammates get good and the team gets competitive, he plays even better. 
And he got better too, Matt. Here's, yep. here's the, uh, the inside story on how he got better defensively. At the All-Star break in 2017, uh, he was to the office of uh, Ricky Renteria, and he sat down with him and Joe who was the infield coach. And at that time, wasn't doing quite well defensively. Renteria said to him, you know, Pito, you know, that's his nickname. He said, we think you're going to be the best designated hitter in White Sox history and in, in the game. And Abreu's mouth gaped wide open. He said, designated hitter? I'm the first baseman on this team. And Renneria informed him at that, at that time. He said, you're not going to be unless you get better at what you do because what we're seeing right now is unacceptable defensively. At that point, he took a challenge on an early fielding practice with McEwing for the next six months, became a part of his regular routine. And he maybe is not a gold glover at this point, Matt, but he has turned himself into a very good defensive first baseman. And he even said yesterday in one of his conferences that he was a little bit surprised that he wasn't a finalist for the gold glove, Hmm. but he is uh, very content with uh, the defense and the total game that he brings the White Sox on a daily basis. Yeah, he should be. He should be. It, it, it absolutely did improve, and it, uh, it improved by the metrics, and it also improved anecdotally. If you watched, all you had to do was, was watch this year, and you saw a more athletic, more aggressive, um, and more consistent Jose Abreu over there at, at first base. Um, he eventually was asked uh, during the press conference about Rick Renteria and about his new manager, Tony Larusa. Here's Abreu during his uh, Zoom presser the other day um, after winning the uh, American League MVP. You know, those are things that I can control. You know, I'm uh, the one making the decisions on the team. What I can say is I, I'm thankful with Rick Renteria, with the coaching staff, because they help us a lot. They help us to make the playoff last year. They help us to uh, get to this point. And at the same time, I'm just uh, glad to have a manager like Tony La Russa. Uh, uh, like I told him yesterday, he, he can count on me. Uh, and I think that, you know, as a player, that's, that's uh, what we can do for, for a manager. Just, just, just play hard and you know, respect him. We'll see how things go when once uh, the season starts. So uh, Abreu with a close relationship with Ricky Renteria, um, unsurprisingly, and that was him talking about Tony. They had talked on the phone, Bruce. They had talked on the and phone. That was uh, Billy Russo, the interpreter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So they they had spoken yeah. on the phone. Um, here's a little more from uh, Abreu on uh, on Larusa, and he reached out to uh, a guy that he's been. Grouped with, historically, the only two players to have 30 homers and 100 RBIs in each of their first two seasons in the history of baseball, Albert Pujols and Jose Abreu. And Abreu reached out to Pujols, who, of course, played for La Russa in St. Louis. Pujols just told me that he was a, a, a great manager, you know, an outstanding uh, person, a, a manager that I would like to play for. And I'm just looking for it, uh, looking forward to it. Then you know I, I know that you know things happen and and this is a, a, a free country you have, you can have an opinion but and and, and you have to respect uh, each each one opinion but for us as a baseball player we have to appreciate what we have and you know right now he is our manager and like I said before he's 
I mean, he, his record as a manager in the big in the big leagues is is one of the best. Then you were going to have the chance to play for uh, one of the greatest managers in the history of the game. So there's Billy Russo again talking uh, about uh, giving you the answers translated and interpreted from Jose Abreu. Bruce, your thoughts on Abreu talking about La Russa as he did. Well, you know, he had to cut the baby in half. He loved playing for Ricky Renteria. Ricky Renteria counted on him to be a leader on a team over the last three years uh, as they were building it up before they got to this season. Um, and Abreu probably should have been getting a coach's salary as well as a player's salary for all the hard work he did in that clubhouse of bringing some of these people along. And, you know, they, they were accomplished young players. They were good people coming in. But uh, the leadership is, is unbelievable that Abreu uh, shows on a, on a given basis. In, in a clubhouse, Matt, you would see when Jimenez came up, when Mancata came to the White Sox, uh, Bray would listen in on the interviews with the media and he would critique it for each guy after uh, the, mm -hmm. the interview and break it down for him. So uh, the, the, the amount of work that he put in as a friend and as a mentor was uh, exceptional. And uh, the fact that uh, he now had to split it because he loved Renneria and playing for him, but he understands baseball. He understands you don't have control over who they hire. And he also understands that La Russa was a winner where, wherever he went and uh, that he has a chance to play for a Hall of Famer and a championship caliber manager. And he has a very open mind, as I'm sure all the White Sox players will. You know, it, it just as it has been for the fan base, kind of awkward, uncomfortable, or, or they have expressed themselves with rage or frustration or sadness at the higher, because it doesn't feel like it matches what they have come to think about their team or believe about their team. Um, it, that's been one story. But, but thinking about the players kind of coming to grips with it and kind of re getting ready to move past it. You know, last week, Bruce had a chance to play. I, I had a chance to play some of the Tim Anderson comments where Tim had not yet spoken with Tony La Russa. And he had to split the baby in half, to use your term, in, ter in terms of talking about how he was looking forward to learning from him, but also, uh, you know, just we'll see what happens. There was a lot of we'll see what sure. happens in Tim Anderson's comments where he was he's, he's a little uncomfortable and a little, you know, he's going to be himself and he hopes everything goes well. And he just doesn't know yet to hear Abreu even have to kind of address those things is 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 a little is, is just a little bit of a bummer. That That's all, you know, just this moment. For, for well, these guys the to have to kind of, part, Matt, the, the, to wrap their head fired. around it, it no, 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 because it, it's an unnecessary, it's an unnecessary level of discomfort for Tim Anderson. I certainly heard that last week for Jose less so because he is, he's more established. He's even more of a leader and because he spoke with Tony, which was wise, you know, I, I wish that they had done that with, with Tim before allowing Tim to speak to the media. But the fact that Tony is spoken with him is good. I, I, I just think, I, th I think the hire brings uh, an unnecessary transition that the clubhouse will have to make because a lot of managers could do very well with this team. That's my, my opinion on, on the hire, essentially. Do you think it would have been different, uh, the separation anxiety for the players from Renteria to A.J. Hinch? Uh, I think it, I think they wouldn't have to answer. They'd have to answer some questions about the morality of cheating and uh, and and whether AJ Hinch had 
had had paid his debt to the game and to society at large, but they wouldn't have to answer, you know, a lot of the questions that they've had to answer and they will have to answer leading up to spring training, uh, spring training about about the culture, about DUIs, about all that kind of stuff. They wouldn't have to deal with a lot of that stuff. So it'd be different in mm-hmm. that sense. But, no, but, I, but you I, know, I mean, but, look, but I, he, I think ahead. that all of them are uh, are upset that Ricky Renteria was fired. Ricky Renteria on Tuesday finished second in the uh, Manager of the Year award. Um, certainly, no one can say ever that he didn't get his players ready to play and uh, that they wanted to play and run for, through a wall for him on a daily basis. So I think anybody replacing this guy at this time would be a head scratcher for the players, don't you? Um, not not as not as much like this. No, no, Bruce. You know, it, it wouldn't be the same kind of same kind of head scratcher and the same kind of uh, eye roll and the same kind of uh, issues. But they, they'll get over it. They're professionals. They know just as you say. They're not in control of who gets hired. Um, but it, it, no, it, it wouldn't be the same if it were if it were AJ Hinch or if it were Alex Cora, if it were Sam Fold or Willie Harris or anything like that. It would not be the same kind of adjustment. But but they're pros and they'll lead the way. They'll lead the way for a lot of the fans in terms of wrapping their head around it, uh, saying the right things, and getting ready to play. And that's and that's yeah. I mean, do. well, we'll have to agree to disagree on this. I, I think that um, there'd be a transition for all of them because they they like playing for Renteria. Um, the extra theater that's involved with La Russa, I can't argue that. I can only say that um, people are still not going to get over. Jerry Reinsdorf being the final voice to hire Tony Larusa until the White Sox are on the field and games are being played, uh, until uh, the proof is in the pudding and you you have them out there performing or not performing up to satisfaction. I, I don't think we'll have a clear picture of uh, what this story is really going to be like. I do think the uh, the, the drama involved um, with hiring, hiring Larusa. Is, uh, is fascinating, and uh, certainly with this latest situation where we don't know if he'll be eventually facing the DUI charge or a lesser charge, uh, there might be more drama to come. I think that's true, and, um, and I think that part is, is awkward for fans to, have to embrace when everything felt kind of really clean and exciting and, and moving forward. And now it's just, it's a little more complicated, but such is life. I, uh, I'm looking forward to our conversations, top of the hour, Sean McAdam to talk a little bit about Alex Cora and some other hot stove uh, stuff. What's interesting you out there, interesting to you out there in the rumor mill regarding the Cubs, Bruce, I want to want to pick your brain about what you've heard and what you think the Cubs might, might be doing in this off season. Can we do that when we come back? What do you Absolutely. Right. When we come back from break, we'll talk about that. Also, are the White Sox, how much money will they have to spend in the offseason? Will it all go to one pitcher? Hmm. 670, the score is where you are. It's Inside the Clubhouse. Keep it right here. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse here on 670, the score. Bruce, what have you, Bruce Levine, uh, me, Matt Spiegel. Bruce, what have you heard about what the Cubs are doing, tinkering with, or at least talking about in terms of potential trades which we all believe is going to have to be a big, big part of their offseason. 
Well, they want to add uh, position players, uh, hopefully, that can get on base and drive the ball a little bit. And, you know, we talked about a couple weeks ago Tommy Listella being the type of uh, player they'd like to bring back. Tommy, a much different player uh, now than he was when he was with the Cubs. Added probably 15 or 20 pounds of muscle and uh, hit a ton of home runs in 2019 before he got injured. Uh, Showed... uh, Ability to be a leadoff man or second hitter on two uh, good clubs with the Angels last year, and then being traded to the Oakland A's, uh, being a part of that playoff team. Tommy's a free agent again. Uh, Tommy has a great history with the the, what, the Cubs front office. Uh, they are looking at him as a potential free agent, and that type of player, uh, a non-base percentage guy, a left-handed hitter, guy that can drive the ball a little bit, uh, those are the areas they'd like to address. Now, they're going to have to address a starting pitcher. They only have two guys that they can count on to be aces of their staff in Darvish and Hendricks. After that, the drop-off is Mills and Alzale. So they're going to be looking in that area as well. The bullpen, they lose Jeremy Jeffress. Uh, is probably as a valuable a relief pitcher in the National League Central this year of any pitcher uh, in that division. Uh, He saved the back of the bullpen uh, when Kimbrell wasn't really up to closing coming into the season. And now um, you have a situation where you have Kimbrell in the last year of a contract for $16 million. Uh, After him, you have Rowan Wick, who was coming along before he got hurt. Uh, Ryan Tapura, another name. Kyle Ryan didn't have a good year. So there's going to have to be some players added into that bullpen. Uh, You have uh, areas of need. Uh, The Cubs will have some money to spend. Will they spend it on a short-term, long-term additions? And will some of that money go to their bull? Rizzo, Mm -hmm. Baez, Bryant, and Schwarber, all free agents after 2021. Yeah, those those are the guys that that we've all thought about now for a couple of years, and definitely this offseason in terms of thinking that one of them probably is going to have to go in a trade. If not, if not two of them um, could be very Who's the guy for you. Who's, um, who's the guy for you, Matt? Who do you keep? Who do you trade? Yeah. To, to me, I, I mean, Bryant is, is number one and I don't know what the value is going to be like out there coming off the season that he's uh, coming off of and overall the trend that he's been on. So that's number one. And, and for me, number two is Baez. And in part of the Baez thing, that that shortstop class <laughs> next year with Lindor yeah. and Carlos Correa and Baez and Corey Seager, all of them. And there, I think there's another one, too. I, I forget. There's an, even a, even still another one. It's an unbelievable class of Correa, free agent Lindor, yeah. Baez, Correa, Correa Lindor, Lindor, Baez, and Seager. Baez. Yeah, I mean, not too bad. Good start. Not too bad. Not not too bad. It's a pretty good start. And then you mentioned this before the break, uh, Bruce. How much will the White Sox have to spend? Does it all go to one pitcher? What 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 is your sense of what they're going to have to spend this off season? In which um in which they should be, and I think will be big time buyers in an awkward market. I'm hearing somewhere between twenty five and thirty million dollars that they'll have to spend. So if they want to shoot it all on one guy, and Bauer is your guy on a two- or three-year contract for $30, $60, $90 million. Uh, is that sufficient for you, Matt? Is that enough 
to solidify the, the right field outfield situation. A left, they need they need left-handed bat or two uh, in that lineup. Uh, they're going to have to go out there. They're going to have to uh, try to replace the closer uh, if they don't bring uh, their closer back. Uh, there's a backup catcher of significance that they're going to need. So uh, spending it all on one big pitcher is that going to be enough? to solidify a championship run for the 2021 White Sox. So that that number, that 30 mil, you're talking about from payroll now to payroll next year, that that kind of jump, um, I think that's low for what a lot of Sox fans were hoping would be this particular offseason of expenditures when you seem to be on the door, on the doorstep of, of true excellence. It's a lot yeah, less than. Well, keep in mind we're gonna we're gonna see a new group of players on December second, uh, who are non-tendered, and that mm-hmm. might be a secondary area of surprise for many people with good players who are making what teams consider too much money in a in a year where they don't know what their revenues are going to be, and be non-tendered. So you have to look at that market first uh, before you start transcending on into do we spend 30 to 35 million dollars on Trevor Bauer Um, as you mentioned to me Trevor Bauer's agent said that he is interested now in maybe a longer term deal Bauer has been talking about only being interested in a one or two year deal and uh, being able to um, jump on that every year and make more money and uh, move around at his will or stay where he's at Uh, a, a fascinating look at free agency that we haven't seen before with Trevor Bauer. It's 670 The Score. It's inside the clubhouse. Great hour coming up for hour number two. Sean McAdam will join us to talk about Alex Cora and to talk about the hot stove, this market that we're describing here. We'll see what he thinks it's going to develop like. And then Gabe Kapler, the Giants manager. Um, And, yes, the guy who hit that ball that Dwayne Wise made a hell of a catch on at the end of the Mark Burley perfect game will join us to talk about his former assistant pitching coach, Ethan Katz, who is the White Sox new pitching coach. So that's all coming up next hour right here on Inside the Clubhouse. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.